Hi there. Thank you so very much for listening to my story. I appreciate your time. This production is the result of many sleepless nights, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do when I create it. To help keep this project alive, you can support us by buying some merch at our store on our website or by supporting us on Patreon, whether by becoming a member or by purchasing our chapters for your reading pleasure. We are taking a survey of our listeners, and I would like you to participate. It will help us learn more about you, no matter how long you've been a listener or how frequently you listen to this show. So please take a few minutes and visit our website at buildingevelyn.com listen. You'll find the listener survey link right on the listen page. And you can complete the survey anonymously. Again, thank you. Previously on Building Evelyn. Miss Josie's sister had been sick for a while and she felt lots of pain while going through treatment. She was old and tired and ready to go. Joanna had been very sorry that she was going to die that way, but when the doctors discovered that she had gallbladder cancer, she slowly got used to the idea and in her own way, she stopped fighting the sickness. Her son was now without the only caregiver he knew, and Miss Josie didn't know what to do. The sadness in the farm and the neighborhood was very apparent, and while Miss Josie's sister was more of an introvert, she had been part of the community for a long time. Hello and welcome to Building Evelyn. This dramatic story is based in true events, but written with a bit of fiction showcasing Brazilian culture throughout the story. Some chapters are written by different writers, and each writer not only continues the story using real events and facts, but also puts their own twist on the previous writer's idea to keep the story moving. I am Jackie Passau, and Chapter 8 was written by me. It was a dark, rainy night. Occasionally, a daunting flash of lightning would brighten every corner of the favela. The place was dingy and filthy, filled with creatures lurking, crawling, and searching for their next meal. The foul stench of garbage and cigarette smoke clogged the air. All these things were so apparent to Evelyn. To her, the scent of the smoke was so strong, it just may as well have been blown direct into her face. In one corner, people were laughing and smoking cigarettes, 
The women among them had long nails painted red, black, and dark purple. They laughed obnoxiously, the sound echoing into the night. The onslaught of rain couldn't penetrate the thick plums of smoke, which grew and expanded like mushroom clouds. Two of the women in the group were slowly revealed to be Nazareth and Mary. They were sipping alcohol and taking puffs from the cigarettes between their fingers. Evelyn was horrified to see cockroaches skittering on the women's bare legs, exploring their bodies and disappearing beneath their clothes. Their laughter turned to thunder and they disappeared into the black depth behind them. An unknown force began pushing Evelyn forward, stopping at the edge of the open sewer that overflowed with a foul liquid. The water was high, and she couldn't see a way of crossing. The rain made it harder for her to see as it began falling with more intensity. She continuously wiped her face and tried blinking to clear her vision to no avail. Looking down, she watched garbage moving along with a rapid current beneath her. As she began to cross a bridge that she could have sworn wasn't there before, shielding her eyes with her hands raised while attempting to look up through the heavy droplets of rain, Evelyn encountered the boy the teenager that tormented her on a daily basis. He walked around her in slow circles, like a tiger stalking its prey. As Evelyn tried taking careful steps forward in an attempt to escape him, he began whispering insults, sexual things directly into her ear. She had no way of breaking free. He told her about the places he planned on taking her and what he would do to her once they got there. She refused to look up at his face, but she saw the door of his house was open. It was dark like a dungeon and smell of cigarette smoke, as did everything else. Evelyn tried to run from him, but he grabbed hold of her arm and dragged her into his house. She refused to look at him and tried keeping her eyes shut, but he forcefully turned her face towards his. She opened her eyes and saw worms slithering out of his mouth. She let off a gut-wrenching scream and it all went away. Evelyn was awake, sitting up in her bed, sweating, breathing heavily and in tears. Her room was dark and the rain poured outside. She shared a room with her sisters, but it didn't seem like they were awake. Evelyn was relieved to wake up from such a terrifying nightmare. Mary heard Evelyn scream and went to the room, cigarette in hand. What is going on? Why are you screaming? Do you want to wake up your sisters? She asked, sounding irritated. I had a nightmare, Evelyn replied, distressed, with tears running down her cheeks. Mary showed no mercy for her crying child, and while walking out the room, she said, Go back to sleep. There was no way Evelyn was going to be able to sleep again. 
She was frightened by the events of the nightmare, and she was scared that if she went back to sleep, she would dream the same thing again. Lately, she had been so confused with all the things that had been going on around her. Her mother's friendship with Nazareth was particularly concerning to her, because she noticed that ever since they started hanging out, her mother's behavior has changed dramatically. Evelyn had begun to think that Nazareth was a bad influence, judging from the fact that Nazareth offered Mary her first cigarette, and now Mary smoked regularly. Evelyn saw that her mother smoked all the time, and she found herself and her clothes smelling like smoke. Just about everything around reeked of smoke, including the bathroom. When Nazareth came to visit, she talked about random things aloud while laughing and clapping her hands while she did so. Her long, pointy, scary nails would click together, making noises that would send shivers up Evelyn's spine. Evelyn found Nazareth to be obnoxious and bossy towards the kids, and Mary didn't seem to mind. The two women only hung out together at the house when peace wasn't there, so that both women could talk about whatever they wanted. Evelyn believed that her mother left the house with the common purpose of hanging out with her friend, because they had to paint their long nails in matching shades of red every week. The second thing that really bothered Evelyn was that since she was nine years old. She attended third grade in the afternoon, and went through the favela with nobody accompanying her to get to school. She noticed that there was always a teenage boy sitting near the makeshift bridge every time she passed by, and he would make inappropriate comments towards her. This boy continued to taunt Evelyn every day on her way to school and back. She was scared of him, and was afraid he was going to pull her into his dark house and do something to her. She dreaded the time when she would have to walk past him. Sometimes she would be in a good mood, ready to go to school, and she would remember him and become instantly afraid. He lived in the favela, and she used that way to go to school. But she knew she had to find a new route soon before she went insane. She was scared of the boy, and she was scared of Nazareth. But it was just a coincidence that both lived in a favela. She was reluctant, but she decided that she was going to start using the path that all the trespassers used to avoid the boy. Now that he was even giving her nightmares. Evelyn didn't tell these things to Mary. Mary was never around, and when she was, she never talked to Evelyn. Even if she did, there was no way she would listen to what her daughter had to say about the boy, and especially Nazareth. When she wasn't around, she was hanging out with Nazareth, and when she wasn't hanging out with Nazareth, she was taking care of Evelyn's younger sisters or being yelled at by her father. Mary had always yelled at the girls, but since meeting Nazareth, she began calling the kids the worst names. 
She had no patience, and when she came time to help Evelyn with her homework, Mary would call her names and hit Evelyn's head every time she didn't do something right or when she didn't know the correct answer. Evelyn had been avoiding her mother at all costs and she wanted nothing to do with her. She didn't want to be around her since the day Mary came home, upset for some unknown reason. Evelyn always made sure that all her chores were done correctly so her mother wouldn't hit her. But one particular day, her mother arrived possessed with anger, and even though everything in the house was clean, she started yelling and complaining. She moved towards Evelyn. Evelyn backed up, trying to distance herself from the anticipated beating. Mary cornered the child and, grabbing by her hair, began to repeatedly hit Evelyn's head against the wall. Evelyn woke up every morning, made sure her chores were done, and went to school. When there was no reason to be home, she would go to her grandmother's house. She didn't talk about the things her mother did to her to anyone except her imaginary friends. They always gave her advice, but that didn't keep Evelyn from feeling overwhelmed. Since being friends with Nazareth, Mary no longer kept her overwhelming life issues to herself. She shared everything she thought and everything that happened with her friend. Somehow, Nazareth made sense of everything, almost like she had a superpower and sometimes she would describe why Mary was feeling the way she was so easily, that she may as well have been Mary's therapist. The women continued their friendship, having coffee in the afternoon and laughing, and talking with her friend kept Mary sane. Her job at the factory was going well, while Peace continued his affair with the other women, and it was confirmed that he had a daughter with her. But Mary wasn't depressed over it anymore, and when Mary told Nazareth about the confirmation of Peace's bastard daughter, she said, You should come with me next time I go to my Macumba session and tell your heartbreaks to our gods. Macumba is the Brazilian form of voodoo or the worship of the ancient African gods through spirit possession and magic. No matter who you were, you heard the stories of the gods and how their magical intervention had snared a lover, saved a marriage, or a sick baby, or eliminated a wicked enemy. Lots of Brazilians believe in some sort of ancient spiritual communion with these gods while professing Catholicism in public. Mary was intrigued. She had never been to a voodoo worshipping session before. If the spirits could help her to get rid of Peace's affair, she was for sure going. Three days later, the women attended the session, and there, Mary met Alan, a flamboyant, seemingly friendly guy. Alan had spells for everything, and along with Nazareth, he had a session where he received the spirits. They told Mary that they were going to help her husband leave his mistress.
Miss Josie noticed that Evelyn was spending more time at her house, but she never asked why. She knew something was going on, and she welcomed her grandchild with open arms. It wasn't an issue that Evelyn went to her grandmother's house so much. Her parents had an understanding that she was safe there. Therefore, they wouldn't have anything to say on the matter. Miss Josie enjoyed having Evelyn to hang out with her. And from all her grandchildren, and she had many, Evelyn was a great help around the house and the chapel. She would accompany Miss Josie on her novenas, worshiping and readings of special prayers around the neighborhood. This took place on Tuesday, and they would offer coffee and bread to those in attendance. Evelyn would watch her grandmother care for Ray, pray, cook, and walk around the farm. Miss Josie welcomed Evelyn to do all those things with her, appreciating the company. Sometimes, Evelyn would complete her chores, finish eating lunch with the sitter and the girls, and dress to go to school. But since it was early, she would pass by Miss Josie's house and spend a little time there until it was time to go. Evelyn talked to her grandmother about school. She would share how she was doing and how much she enjoyed third grade. She made sure to do well in school even though no one really paid much attention to her performance. Nonetheless, she felt good to be ahead in her studies and she was proud of herself. Miss Josie picked up her retirement payment at the bank on a monthly basis and she decided that she was going to invite Evelyn to go with her. The path was made of cobblestone, which made it difficult for Miss Josie to walk, especially with the type of shoes that she was wearing. Once, she had tripped on the stones and was stuck at home, injured and sore for a while. Now that Evelyn was with her more often, she could invite Evelyn to go with her and make sure she stayed safe. She would hold her grandmother's arm and guide her through the streets of their city where they needed to run errands. Miss Josie had gone to speak with Peace and Mary about having Evelyn accompany her, and that since Evelyn was doing chores for her, she needed to be excused from doing chores once a week back at home. Mary and Peace had no objection to this. No one ever objected Miss Josie. She was 65 years old when Evelyn started accompanying her. Respect for your elders means a variety of things depending upon the culture. In some areas, it simply means listening to the advice of those older than you. In other areas, it means giving up your seat on a bus for an elderly person. In Brazil, the law requires a certain level of respect for those over 60. According to the law, all business and government facilities must provide immediate and preferential help for those over 60. When traveling by bus, the entrance was on the back of the bus then, where you encounter a person sitting by the turnstile waiting for the bus fare. Once you pay, you can sit anywhere and exit by the front. 
Miss Josie would receive preferential treatment, entering the bus through the exit and sitting on the elders' assigned seats by the front, and didn't pay for the ride either. Children could ride on the bus free depending on how tall they were. If they were able to go under the turnstile, they didn't have to pay. So Evelyn didn't have to pay to ride the bus with her grandmother. At the bank, long lines were formed for the people that had to make payments. To receive her monthly retirement, Miss Josie was able to go to the front of the line. Evelyn was very pleased when her grandmother asked her to tag along around the city to banks, repair centers, and to buy things for the chapel. One particular time, the two of them were riding the bus home when Evelyn noticed that Miss Josie's left eye was dirty from some type of discharge coming out of it and said, Is your eye bothering you? It has something coming out of it. Do you have something to clean your eye with? Miss Josie acted surprised and took her handkerchief from her skirt pocket and gently cleaned her left eye. Thank you for letting me know. Sometimes I don't feel it. You don't feel that something is on your eye? Wow, if a grain of sand is in my eye, I can feel it, all right? Are my eyes more sensitive than yours? No, child, my left eye is actually a glass eye, Miss Josie said, smiling. Seriously? Evelyn asked, shocked. Miss Josie laughed at the child's reaction and went on saying that a long time ago, she had an altercation with the neighborhood witch. She said that back then, the neighbor had a veggie and herb garden with many of the planters being lettuce, cilantro, and green onions. They sold the fresh veggies to the bodegas in the neighborhood and to nearby markets. They thought, for some reason, that Miss Josie was doing the same with her vegetables to sabotage her sales intentionally. The witch came to Miss Josie's house uninvited with an aggressive-looking wooden staff. She threatened Miss Josie saying that she needed to stop selling her veggies to the bodegas, otherwise she was going to hurt her really bad. Miss Josie wasn't selling her veggies. Her veggies had always been for the family to consume, and she didn't understand why the woman thought that she was competing with her. After the witch left, Miss Josie was shaken and nervous. In the middle of the night, she had a stroke after the constant harassment. Somehow, her left side was affected by the stroke, and she ended up losing her eye. Even though the rest of her body was able to recover, her motor skills on the left side were never the same, but no one could tell unless they were paying close attention. Miss Josie decided to replace her eye with a glass one, and by being a foreign object, always had discharge. Thus the reason Miss Josie always carried her handkerchief. She couldn't feel when it happened, so she created a habit to always clean her eyes. Evelyn couldn't believe that someone would come to the farm and pick a fight with her grandmother. 
Her grandmother didn't seem like a woman who would pick a fight with anyone. She was quite the opposite, as she was always breaking up the fights of everyone on the farm or the neighborhood. She would be the one to come and talk sense to others, pray for them and hold them accountable. She wouldn't cause trouble or try to be enemies with anyone. That wasn't in her or something she preached. She was calm, kind, and loved by all. The witch was paranoid and saw everyone as an enemy. She was egocentric, thinking everyone was like her and after her. While her garden of edges was beautiful and well taken care of, Miss Josie was never envious of her or of her planters of veggies, and she never went behind her back selling her own veggies to the bodegas. Still, the witch somehow had a hunch that Miss Josie was. Unfortunately, the glass eye was a reminder of such a hateful person. The witch was still there, but no one ever saw her anymore. The veggie garden that was once behind their home was long gone. Rumor has it, the veggies continue to be sold somewhere else. They still provide delicious fresh foods to the community, but not at that site. The witch took good care of it, and it was watered every day in the mornings. Perhaps that was the reason you would never see them around. Their house looked abandoned and creepy to everyone that saw it. The only house with a telephone was Miss Josie's. If somebody needed to talk to anyone, they would call her house whether the people lived on the farm or not. And she would just ask the children playing outside her house to go deliver the message that someone had a call. There were always small children around her house playing. Miss Josie didn't mind people coming to her home to answer calls. She was glad to help. She figured that if the call was being made, it was because it was important. Now that Nene and Andre were living at the house, it was no different. If someone called, they would ask Roger to deliver the message and call them to talk on the phone. One morning, the phone rang and someone wanted to talk to Evelyn. Nene thought, it was strange, and asked who would want to talk to Evelyn. The caller said they were calling from the radio station. They heard about Evelyn and would like to talk to her. Nene explained that they would have to wait and sent Roger to call Evelyn. Evelyn was finishing her chores that morning when Roger came running. You have a call, Evelyn. You've got to come in a hurry. Evelyn dropped what she was doing and ran towards her grandmother's house, trying to figure who in the world would be calling her. She thought maybe her father, who was at work, needed to say something very important. Or maybe her mother, who was at work as well, needed to deliver a message to the sitter. No one else in the world would be calling her. 
Evelyn ran, and once she got to the phone, she tried to catch her breath before saying, Hello, this is Evelyn, who is this? The person on the other side of the line said that they were calling from the radio station because they heard that she made songs and they wanted to talk to her about it. Evelyn couldn't believe what they were saying. Someone from the radio station was calling her about her songs? Were they thinking of helping her by playing her songs at the station? This couldn't be true, but the lady kept saying that they heard of her group and she would love to speak with the others as well and maybe invite them all to the radio station so they could sing one of their songs. Evelyn thought it was a dream. She didn't believe this was happening to her. Evelyn said they would have to wait for a final answer. She had to check with the other girls because she didn't know if they were available. She said she would do her best to find them all and she made sure to tell them it might take a while and that it would be best for them to call back in about 20 minutes. With that, she hung up and ran out of the house with Roger following her. She was frantic while telling Roger everything, talking so fast he couldn't understand a single thing she said. Evelyn ran around trying to find her cousins to tell them about the call from the radio station and that they should come with her to wait at Miss Josie's house until they called back. As Evelyn and Roger turned by the watermelon patch, they could see the cousins just walking past the driveway towards Evelyn's house. She couldn't believe the coincidence. They were all right there. Let's go! Hurry, Evelyn, run as fast as you can! Roger encouraged her. She got to them and tried to convey everything that just happened. But she was so tired and overwhelmed that her words were not understandable. The girls told her to calm down. What are you saying? Evelyn took a breath, and as she was about to speak, Roger said, Someone called from a radio station, and they want to talk to all of you guys. They want to hear you guys sing. They looked at Evelyn, and she nodded her head in agreement, still trying to catch her breath. That is the truth. They are going to call, and we have to run. The girls started laughing. You weird. What are you talking about? You heard me. We have to go to Grandma's house to wait for those people to call back. Evelyn stressed. The girls laughed harder. Even so, they went back to Miss Josie's house with Evelyn to wait for the call. They waited and waited, and the 20 minutes passed and no one called. They stayed around for a bit longer, and when no one called, the girls wanted to leave. No, you have to stay. They are going to call back, Evelyn said with her eyes full of tears. She struggled to hold back. Don't go. They are going to call back because they wanted to talk to us. The girls were laughing, and Evelyn couldn't understand why they thought this was funny. Why are you laughing? No one is going to call, silly, one of them said. Evelyn didn't understand why they would say that. 
Why are you saying that no one is going to call? Do you really think someone is going to call and ask us to sing those stupid songs at a radio station? Nobody cares. Evelyn looked at the girls, not understanding why they were talking like that. How do you know that? I just got a call. No, you didn't. We were just playing, pretending to be someone from a radio station to prank you. Why did you do that after I opened my eyes to welcome you into my group and to give you my time teaching you my songs and dances? You are making fun of me? Evelyn, no one here cares about your group, songs or dances. Wow, why do you have to take everything so seriously? We were just trying to have some fun, okay? Go home and cry on your imaginary friend's shoulders. You guys don't have to be so mean to her, Roger said. They all laughed, laughing and pointing their fingers, mocking Evelyn while she stood there crying with Roger by her side, being the nice cousin he was. He held Evelyn's hand and didn't say a thing. Evelyn pulled her hand out of his and ran out of the house, crying. By that time, it was raining outside. Evelyn was so sad, she didn't understand why her cousins would prank her that way and why they would pretend that they liked her songs and dances if they really didn't. She truly thought they enjoyed spending time with her, but now they were saying they didn't care about this at all. Evelyn just wanted to be alone, so she ran to her favorite caju tree, climbing it as fast as she could, only then realizing that the rain made it her grasp slippery. She slowed down and trying to be more careful, but as if out of nowhere, a massive gray frog appeared on the branch in front of her. The frog frightened her and she lost her grip on the tree, falling to the ground below, landing directly on top of her arm. She couldn't move at first, but when she did, the pain told her that her arm was broken. Building Evelyn Original Story, Narration, and Production by Jackie Pesal. This chapter was edited by Karen Mata. Shop Nukella at etsy.com slash shop slash Nukella, where you can find the cutest crochet dolls and animals. Nukella collaborated with Building Evelyn to bring the first Evelyn doll to life in crochet form. To order your custom doll, visit the site to learn more. 
music by Clark James. You can listen to his amazing music on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. To learn more, visit clarkjamespiano.com or find him on Facebook or Amazon. This chapter's art is the work of Carlos da Costa. Visit cdacosta.art to view some of his previous work in oil, watercolors, or illustrations, and to contact him to open a commission. In this story, Evelyn is forced to navigate childhood with a family that struggles with domestic violence, substance abuse, and rebellion, issues that could be difficult to deal with at any age. Luckily for the girls in Philadelphia, the Eveler House is there to help them create bright, bold futures. The Eveler House's mission is to help produce a strong female leadership in society by investing in the collective well-being of girls of color aged 13 to 18, who are experiencing a unique set of social and emotional challenges and barriers to success. Their empowerment programs help girls imagine a future filled with possibilities. Please visit evelerhouse.org for more information on this award-winning nonprofit or to donate to their cause. I hope you find this podcast entertaining. If you are interested in contributing a song or to write the next chapter of the story, send us a message at info at buildingevelyn.com and we will consider featuring it. If you want to get in touch with us, find us on WhatsApp at 513-580-4595. For those who love to read, our chapters are now available at patreon.com slash buildingevelyn. To listen to previous chapters and not to miss the next one, subscribe on your favorite podcast player, our YouTube channel, or head over to our website, buildingevelyn.com. That is B-L-D-G-E-V-E-L-Y-N.com. And while you are there, consider clicking the donate link. That would be so nice of you.